new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friends at Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. Josh and his crew do a fantastic job there. I had a chance to work with them. And my goodness, it felt like a concierge service. Everything's felt so personal. It felt so intimate. Everybody was waiting on you hand and foot, not being pushy about it, but explaining every single step. And I got to tell you, it was an experience that was nothing short of fantastic. So whether you are looking for a foreign car, a domestic car, or a luxury car, they have the inventory. And, you know, inventory has been short recently. Well, they've got it. They have it in Parker. They have it in Denver as well. They're going to get you the right car at the right price. They also service all makes and models. They have great finance options as well. I think they work with like 20 different lenders, so they're going to get you what you need. Go for a test drive today at Rocky Mountain Eurosport or find them at rmeurosport.com. Or when you go for that test drive, stop at either location, Denver or in Parker. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Two great performances last night. Um, a lot of great performances, but specifically by Kemper and by Kadri. And I joked uh, on Twitter last night um, because Jared Bednar at times by certain media members has come under fire. So it was kind of, I wasn't really a shot at them as much as, Maybe it was a little bit. I said, man, uh, Jared Bednar um, made a couple of pretty decent decisions last night deciding to go with uh, Kemper and Gull and, and Kadri playing, right? Well, obviously, they were great decisions. Well, in both cases, I would have gone the other way, so I'm sitting here admitting that. Number one, though, look at Kadri, though. Somebody's going to somebody is You going should not to be a hockey this. coach, but then again, neither should I. Somebody's going to take this wrong. But I think in some ways, if you just look at the quantitative results, uh, they probably could have waited one or two more to, games to play Kadri if the series had gone on, because he he played 18 minutes. He t- had two shots and he did not take faceoffs. He wasn't overly effective. So that's that is not the real right. Nazem Kadri. Right. But I understand the decision was made for other reasons too, not just because he would quantitatively add to the lineup. Right. But who who had the better game? Who who was more important? It was it was Kemper, no, no question. question about it. No question. And he after the soft goal by Victor Hedman, and after the weird goal where he gets his no- mask knocked off, he was solid. He was he was well. He was better than that. He was really good. Yeah, he was. He, he wasn't. I don't know if he was stand on his head great using no, that hockey term, no. but he was darn fantastic. He was a professional playoff goaltender yeah, rising to the occasion. Okay, so you have said this. They're going to need Kemper or Fransos, but whoever's to starting. steal a game. Did he? No. You I don't think so? I don't think he completely stole that game. I think, but when I say steal, I mean really above and beyond 
the call of expectation for a playoff goalie. That that game where the other team walks out just shaking their heads. You know, and they only have they only need one more win, and he hasn't done it yet. So they might they might be able to get through, and all the all the uh, the oversimplifiers will have turned out to be right that they didn't need him to do that. Well, you and I talked about that at the beginning of the series. I you- still sincerely believed going in that he needed to do that at least once or twice. Well, you and I had this conversation before the series started, which is what's more important, a great goalie to win a championship or a great quarterback? And I think we could both agree on this. Generally speaking, you need a great goalie to get hot in the playoffs. There are very few examples in which a guy hasn't been great and a team has won a cup. And I think you will be able to count this year as well because the Avs offense is so good. On the flip side... He's Trent Dilfer? Uh, exactly. On the flip side, you have your Trent Dilfers and your Brad Johnsons. You don't have a lot of examples of non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks or guys who, like a Joe Flacco, who got red hot in 2012 and he carried his team, even though his defense was... That is, that is the rarity. I was sitting here thinking of the other thing about hockey is an average goaltender can become great in the playoffs. Jordan Bennington being the most recent. Kemper example. wasn't great, and Francois wasn't great. No, neither were great. So, no, but I'm saying, and that one of those kind of journeyman, average, up and coming goaltenders can really find themselves in one playoff run, and then become a very average, decent, professional goaltender again. But that was his bright, shining moment. Not on purpose. Joe Sackick did not build his team offensively with offensive-minded defensemen saying, well, I'm not going to bring in the best goalie I can because I know we're so strong on offense. It just happened to work out that way this year. This Avalanche team is very much an outlier compared to what we have seen with a lot of past Stanley Cup champions, and I know they haven't won yet. But you know who has built their team like that as well? the Edmonton Oilers, and they're going to be in for a rude awakening. Okay, because, Mike Smith. Be, well, it's, not, it's more, more than just Mike Smith. At least the Avalanche have a terrific defense that blocks shots and can move the puck and jump in on the play. They don't have that either. They are one line. I wonder what, how they would have done with Philip Grubauer. Maybe I'm the only person on the planet who wonders that, but I wondered. He was not a great goal, playoff goaltender with the Avalanche last year after having a terrific regular season. Well, and so in some ways, Kemper's probably at least matched what they could have d- expected from Grubauer or exceeded it. Well, you know, in sports, and I'm not suggesting it's going to happen this year. Might it's a copycat league? I yes, think other much so. other GMs, all all leagues are. Other GMs are going to look at the Avalanche and say, if we can get some offensive defensemen, right? Guys mm-hmm. are going to jump up in the play, then maybe then maybe we can do what the Avs did and not have to get the best goaltender out there. The problem is there are only so many Kale McCars out there, yeah. and Devin Taves is fantastic as well. But then again, let's be honest. Uh, I, with all due respect to Manson, he, he's played really well, but he's not one of the best defensemen no. in the league. Eric Johnson, he's, he's, passed, he's passed his prime. Yes. Okay, And looking at the other guys, they're fine. They're not great. It's those two guys. Well, Byram has a bright future. He though. does. But he's still a rookie, too. Yes. I mean, that, that that's even more encouraging. But other teams are going to try and look at what the Avs did and say, we could do that, too. The history suggests that will not happen. But I think, more importantly, the other possibility of a, of a revolutionary appeal to this team 
is that Jared Bednar and, and Nolan Pratt and Joe Sackick have given guys who weren't previously known as, quote, uh, wide-open offensive defensemen the mandate and the carte blanche to jump up into the play. So it isn't necessarily going out and trying to find the next Kale McCarr. It's trying to find the, the next Devin Taves who is given permission or even a mandate to play more offensively and jump into the play. So I'm interested to see if that's going to be increasingly the trend in hockey where guys who are not necessarily typecast as offensive defensemen are given the opportunity to be that and do do it well. Here's something else to consider. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow when it comes to Bednar. I think it is fair to say his quiet confidence, and he, he's not a talkative guy, he has brought out the best in some of his guys' talents. Like, I don't think there's a better example, two better examples than Kadri during the regular mm-hmm. season brought out his best, right? Right. And Nachuchkin in the playoffs brought out his. Was Nachuchkin really that much of a playoff performer in his past? He wasn't a performer at all in anything in the That's past. That's right. So he has got. He was a complete bust. Right. Complete bust. And it, it, for the Avalanche to bring him in, and he, now he's getting $2.5 million a year. That took a lot of guts, and, and you're sitting there saying, well, what the hell and is And he's this? a free agent. Manson, I don't know if he's ever played like this in his career. Has he? No, he, he hasn't. He's getting $4.1 million and, and my point is, raise. my point, well, yeah, because you have a coach who's bringing out the best in these guys. He, had, so, he struggled a little bit after he came here. No, no, I know, but I'm talking about the playoffs. Yeah. He's gotten the most out of his guys. Every guy has played, generally speaking, to their potential in the playoffs. So if there's only one common denominator, what is it? It's coaching. the coach. Well, Nolan Pratt is doing a really good job. Right, defensively. Of the, of the coach in charge of the defense. No question. Uh, coming up after the break, the NBA draft is tonight. So we're going to talk about it. I mean, we've talked a lot of abs. Harrison Wind from DNVR. He's going to be joining us next. What are the Nuggets going to do? Harrison's going to tell us next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber of the public, go to RMFP.com. What are you doing for the Avs game tomorrow? My suggestion, go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. They have been an avalanche bar for years. They always have great drink specials. So when you go watch the Avs there tomorrow, they have two-for-one pitchers on Stella exclusively during Avs games. But here's something else that's absolutely awesome. They're happy hour. You just can't beat it. Uh, two-for-one on wine, well, and draft beers every day, three until seven. So if you're going to go over there tomorrow, you're going to hit happy hour. You're going to hit the Avs game. Make sure you call an Uber. 
because they will fill you up if you want. Just make sure you don't drive home. Also, they're going to have live music tomorrow night as well. They have live music every Friday and Saturday. No cover at all. You're going to absolutely love going there. And oh, yeah, they have a pool hall with 15 tables. Did I forget to mention that? Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. They have it all. Say hi to Chad for me. He's the owner. He's a big 49ers fan, Giants fan. Just ignore that. He'll put on the Rockies game for you. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. With all this avalanche talk, yes, indeed, there is an NBA draft tonight. Our guy on the scene, I believe, at the DNVR Sports Bar is Harrison Wind. How are you, Harrison? I'm doing great, guys. That's exactly where I am. Uh, me on. How many drinks are you in before you joined us? Oh, zero. Come on. I, I wouldn't Nine times. <laughs> how many are you going to have when you get off the air with us? Well, it depends how well or poorly this night goes for the Nuggets. Well, totally okay, so if it goes well, that means you're going to have more than a few cocktails. So instead of asking you how, how you think the Nuggets are going to do, how many cocktails do you think you're going to have, <laughs> period? I think I'll definitely have a couple. I think this night could go well for the Nuggets if, if they're aggressive. Um, and they do something to put them one step closer to winning a championship, I think that qualifies as very well. Will they just draft, or will they move around? What are the odds of them keeping and using the number 21 pick, unless they're drafting for somebody else? I could definitely see them using the number 21 pick. I'd say it's maybe 60% chance that they do. I think there are some guys at 21 that they like that they think can definitely help. But, I mean, I, I know they are being pretty aggressive right now and, you know, seeing what deals are out there. Maybe if they could package both picks and move up. Um, so, I, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but I, I really do think all options are on the table. Okay, I agree with you, and, and every GM says that, whether it's yeah. for the Broncos, the Avalanche, the Nuggets, the Rockies, whatever. The one thing that I get tired of reading is, we did everything we could to make a trade. And honestly, for the fans and even for the media, it does become exhausting. Are you worried we're going to hear, we were so close, we were so close? Or do you think Calvin, Calvin Booth, who I believe is going to be more aggressive than Tim Conley? Because I don't think Calvin Booth is married to this entire roster. You and I have talked about it. I think Tim Conley was. I think Calvin Booth will be more aggressive, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean... I think you know, Tim Connolly's default, if he was 50-50 on a decision, was let's keep the status quo, continuity, et cetera. I think Calvin Boots' default, if he's in that same position, will be let's shake it up and let's make a move. So I agree. And, yeah, we have talked about it. I think he is going to be aggressive. And that's why, you know, you look at Monte Morris and Will Barton, those are Nuggets' two most likely players to be traded tonight or going forward into this offseason, could one of those guys get dealt tonight? Like, yeah, maybe. I, I think it's on the table. What's out there that they could get and would make them a better team at 21? Well, I mean, there was a rumor this morning that the Wizards are interested yep. in Monte Morris. 
And a name that's been linked to Denver really for the last couple months that I've heard is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah, because he plays and defense. <laughs> he does play defense, and he can shoot the three. And so if you, you know, package Monte with one of those picks, you get Caldwell Pope and maybe something else back from Washington. I think that's a move that upgrades Denver. Like, I think Caldwell Pope is the type of piece that, that Denver's looking for to you know, bring some more defensive intensity uh, to the rotation. For those that don't know who he is, and I'm just throwing a name out there, is he sort of an Aaron Aflalo type of guy? Yes, but I think his role is a bit more defined. Like, Caldwell Pope is going to shoot threes and, you know, play defense. I right. think Aflalo was more of a, a go-to guy. Yeah. Um, Caldwell Pope, he would come here and, you know, be the fifth option and be totally cool with it. That's kind of how his game is built. Um, and I, I think he's a better, a little better shooter than Aflalo was. You know, Caldwell Pope's the guy who's going to shoot at like 39, 40% from three. Really good number. So you have you know this draft uh, certainly, and I'm I'm not trying to embarrass myself. I'll, I'll embarrass Terry, so I'll just use Terry's name. You know this draft far better than Terry, and you'll know him far better than me as well. You know, I mean, you've been to the workouts over at Ball Arena. You've studied this stuff because that's what you do. With that, is there and and this phrase is used. Unfortunately, like a punchline when it comes to every type of draft, you're going to get a lot of value at 21 with this guy. You're going to get a lot of value with this guy at 30. Is there somebody sitting at 13, 14, 15, 16 that is worth packaging those picks to go up and get? Or is it deep enough or is it deep enough where you can wait? I think there's a couple guys that might go right before Denver that, you know, would be worth trying to go up and get. I don't know if it's worth packaging both picks, but the two top guys on my board for Denver are Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, who's a do-everything 6'6 wing. He can defend, he can score. I think he has a game that Nico Jokic would love. And my other top guy is Tari Eason, 6'8", forward with a 7'2 wingspan, who – He's yep. one of the better defenders in right. this draft. Can switch everything all over the floor. Those two guys are projected to go, you know, in that mid to late teens area. Mm. Um, if you could find a way to go up and get one of those guys, I, I think that would make it a great night for Denver. You've you've indicated, and I think we've all indicated that that uh, Calvin Booth and Michael Malone have a symbiotic relationship. How will that? Will we notice any difference between? that and the previous coach Tim Conley's administration? Well, I mean, we know Michael Malone. I don't think it's breaking news that he'd like to see more defenders on this team. And, you know, Tim Conley, a lot of his acquisition draft picks have been offense first. I think you could say that when you look back at the Bones Highland pick. Um, at some of the acquisitions he made over the last couple of summers. I think we're going to see if Denver brings on, you know, defense first guys in the draft or for agency and be a trade. I think those guys are going to be defense first. Be Cal- those think, will be Calvin Booth influenced picks. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think so. I, I think that's what, where he's looking. That's the, you know, number one skill set he's looking to check off and anybody he adds. And 
I think Michael Malone would be thrilled with that. Are there a couple of free agents? When you look at the cap, we know they're up against it. We know they're going to pay into the luxury tax. With the mid-level exception, anything, you know, you, you again, you know these numbers better than I do on what they can acquire. Um, I know they're not going to get a lot of big names that people know. I'll tell you a guy that I love, and I've loved him for years, and now he's available. I think he might cost too much. I've wanted P.J. Tucker on this team for the last four years. But he just he just passed up his player option for 7.5. So is there a guy at the very least like him that would make sense in free agents? A free agent I was looking at was DeLon Wright, who's kind of P.J. Tucker but in a guard's body. Yeah. He's like your combo guard at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. good defender, can switch between the one and the two. I think P.J. Tucker would be a good addition as well. I just I don't think he's going to come to Denver. I think he's probably going to re-up with Miami on just a longer-term deal. Um, but I think you have the right idea in terms of guys that they're going to be looking for. Defense first, can play a couple different positions, and, and aren't going to cost a lot. How good do you feel about Booth as a GM now that you know he has kind of settled into the position? I really like Calvin Booth. I think he's going to be really good. And like we've talked about, I think he's going to be really aggressive. I don't think he's going to be afraid to trade guys that have been here for a while that some people have grown attached to. And I think he has a very defined vision. Like that's definitely been my sense in talking to him. Like he knows exactly what he wants to do. I think he's confident in himself and it's not like he's a newcomer to know this type of role or, or this team he's been around for a while he's been i think in a position of power for a while so um i feel pretty confident i think nuggets fans should feel confident in him too as a goofy fan watching basketball although i covered the nba for 10 years in portland and denver i'm familiar with it and even the draft but i as just watching it i really enjoyed watching demarcus cousins play here this year yeah. and I, I even like to see them explore more heavily him playing on this on the floor at the same time What's his future here, Cousins? You know, if you just look at the impact he made last season, he is the reason why the Nuggets bench got decent or got good at times over the second half of the year. Like he is, he's the main reason why. I just don't get the sense that it's a lock that he's back. Um, I, I think there are a couple of things behind the scenes that happened that kind of made the relationship a little rocky, but you look on the court and he was amazing. Um, so I think they either bring him back or, you know, they place a priority on getting another center that can make an impact because uh, the last thing I think the Nuggets want is to go into next season again with backup center being a question mark. So I think it might come down to money. Ultimately, if the Nuggets have enough of it, you know, they can maybe get him back. If not, maybe he looks to secure some more money elsewhere. A great night for the Nuggets for you is how many drinks? <laughs> oh, let's say let's say five. Five? That'd be a great that'd be a great night. Okay, so I want you to do me a favor, okay? Before yeah. you take your first drink, I would like you to take a video. I'm I'm being dead serious about this. We saw that in the wedding. That's right. I want you to send it to me. I want you to send me a video, you holding up a drink and saying, Eric, this is my first drink. And then if they have a great night, then while you're holding your final drink, I want you to send me a video and say, Eric, this is my last drink. And I just want to see the difference. 
between the two Harrisons. Will you do that for me? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do it for you. I'm just letting you know I can hold it together pretty well. Either that. You know. e- oh, t- tough guy, iron stomach guy. Okay. Either that. Right, or you- I, I, I smell you're stepping in. Either that or you have a shot every time somebody says that's a reach. Right. Value pick. <laughs> yeah. What would be what would be a good drinking game for the NBA draft? Um, the amount of times that somebody says Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. Wow. You think they're going to be brought up that much? Yeah. Really? That's, that seems tough. They're going to be brought up enough for you to have a really good night, if that's your drinking <laughs> game. But right. maybe not enough to where it could turn into a bad night. For you. Right. Right. Or it you know could I mean. be length and athleticism and right. upside. Wingspan. That's a good one. Wingspan. That yeah. would that would get you about seven or eight shots, don't you think? How about value pick? Good value pick? Yeah, good value. Good value. Good, I mean, that's a Mel Kuyper line. You can get wasted in the first round because everybody's <laughs> a great value pick with that guy. Hey, Harrison, enjoy the draft. Thank you for joining us. Harrison Wynn joining us from the DNVR bar. Of course, you can catch all of his Nuggets coverage on not the DNVR.com, but the DNVR.com. On the same page, pal? Oh, uh, you know it. You Always know it. Thanks, Harrison. Talk, Talk to you, you soon, pal. All right, late. Harrison Wynn coming up after the break. There have been more than a few really impressive playoff runs in Denver sports history. Jamal Murray in the bubble. Terrell Davis. How about some of his playoff runs? Uh, how about, I don't know, uh, Patrick Waugh when he had a 1.70 goals against average on uh, 2001. Does Kadri, with what he has done in this playoff run, hat trick after death threats, coming back from a surgery, scoring the game-winning goal, is he even in that company that's next afternoon drive with goodman and fry presented by silterhar mazda a no pressure buying experience in broomfield at silterhar mazda Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileEyesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. Filling for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Terry, you have covered Denver sports, I think, since it began. But no, seriously, you've been here since 76, I believe, so you've seen far more Denver sports than I have. I was thinking back on the greatest single-season playoff runs by a single athlete in Denver sports history. You might have somebody else you want to add to the list. I came up with, in no particular order, Jamal Murray, when he was in the bubble, he scored 50, 42, 50, and 40 points in four elimination games. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that's when the Nuggets came back from a pair of 3-1 deficits. During the 97 NFL playoffs, Terrell Davis averaged 145 yards a game in over three games with eight rushing touchdowns. In 98, averaged 156 yards to go with three touchdowns. And I believe that was in three games. The other one was in four games. 
Then you have Patrick Waugh in 2001. 1.70 goals against average, which is obscenely low. 934 save percentage and four shutouts. I am not suggesting that Kadri should join that list because all of his stuff had to do more with off the ice stuff and then coming back on. So I don't know how you can truly compare physical performance with physical performance and then battling stuff mentally off the ice. So for Kadri, hat trick following the death threats. Surgery on his thumb, comes back, scores the game winner. Could you justify putting Kadri in that category? I'm trying to avoid coming off insensitive, but the answer is no. And even last night, Jared Bednar was asked to couple the two together, his his hat trick game at Edmonton and coming back from a broken thumb. And and Jared Bednar did a very good job of not scoffing at the question, saying, Are you are you you're kidding, right? You're gonna equate what he went through with death threats and ugly, ugly threats for his family sure. and, and getting a, re, a retribution with a hat trick, which is almost seems silly to cite it that way, but it's, it's the case that that's how it happened. You're equating that to like him coming back from a broken thumb and scoring a goal in overtime. Well, in, in a far more important game than he got the hat trick in. True. In the Stanley Cup final. True, but you take he, a 3-1 lead. But I think what he's saying is, the question was implying that you kind of lump those together, and Jared Bednar was saying, "No, you have to separate them. One is real life, right? Coupled coupled with a sports accomplishment." No question. So, can you think of any singular performances in a playoff run that could possibly be in the same category as Waugh, well, Davis, and Murray? No, I can't really think of any. Uh, I would say Craig Morton and John Elway over the years, if you plugged them into the very no no it's one season one playoff run that's it that's that's what i'm saying in one playoff run but craig Craig morton came basically out of the hospital right playing the afc championship game on january 1st i'm talking about all the games not one game all yes that's what what i'm saying was he was he great in all three of those games that he played not statistically well that's what i mean we're talking about a different age a different era when when the evaluation was different when you can average 100 140 yards passing and still be considered the AFC Offensive Player of the Year. Sure. So uh, I know you're scoffing at me for for going back to ancient history. Why well, was in the hospital? Well, yeah, he, uh, he his his leg was purple, basically purple. It looked like he had gangrene. Oh, okay. And he, what? He literally walked out of the hospital the morning of the game. Right. To go play in the, in the right. game. So I would I would put that sure. in there. That was a singular game. That could be more like country. Well, yes. Because Wad did it over 16 wins, and Terrell Davis did it throughout the entire playoff run. And, and Murray, I think, averaged nearly 26 points a game. In the bubble. In the bubble. Um, and, I, and to me, the bubble, not bubble, to me, there's no difference. I think you had to be more mentally tough to play in the bubble than you do outside the bubble. It was different, though. I know, I agree. So if you had to rank those three. Wad, Davis, Murray. I can buy that. I put Murray third. Um, and 1.70 is pretty spectacular. Yeah, it is. I mean, that, he had, you know what? The amazing thing is he had some bad games, right? He, he had an unsurpassed ability to recover. And I keep hearing it over and over again. Even last night, what guys are talking about, you have to have a short memory, the right. short memory syndrome. And Patrick Wall, 
he used his bad games as motivation right. for the next one instead of being shaking his head and lamenting his fate or that he was bad luck or it was bad fortune. Patrick sometimes had a way of trying to explain away goals a little too excessively. But the fact of the matter is he, he would recover. You can argue that Terrell Davis didn't have any off games, but then again, he didn't play as many if we're being completely honest. But then again, if you want to take Terrell Davis's best games and you want to put them up against Waz three best games or four best games, mm-hmm. those were all shutouts, right? Yeah. His four best games are all shutouts. But for Terrell Davis to average 156 yards a game, what what do you think is what do you think would be more difficult? Honestly, I know you're more of a hockey guy than a football guy. No, but... actually, I'm both. I've okay. been both. What do you throughout think? The course of my life. What do you think is more difficult to do? What to get three shot, four shutouts in the playoffs, or essentially average 156 yards a game in the playoffs? Not a cop out, but I think you have to look examine the circumstances. My initial leaning would be would be the shutouts. Right. But it all depends on what kind of team is in front of him, too, how many shots he was seeing. Sure, right. All of that has to go in. Right. Like Kemper shut up. Yes. He, he didn't face a lot in, in, that, in that game, in, in the game two, whatever it was. And I'm with you on that. And I don't remember those games like you do because I wasn't covering the team at the time. And I'm sure you didn't go but, you know, line yeah. by line and you know what, how many shots he faced. But to me, Terrell Davis, he had a three-year stretch better than any Hmm. And at times he couldn't see. Outside of, outside of, and I don't want this to be, okay, I'll just use football as, as my metric. I don't think there's a football player in NFL history that's had a better three-year stretch. Period. Than him. Waller Payton? No, not even close. He was he was out past his prime by the time the Bears got to the Super Bowl. Walt, Walter Payton. First of all, Walter Payton didn't have How the How about blow. Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice was spectacular, okay? But And Jerry Rice put up big numbers. But to average probably 17, 1,800 yards per season for three consecutive seasons, who's even come close to doing that? Are we talking postseason now, though? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about full seasons. Full seasons. Okay. Terrell Davis averaged probably in the neighborhood about 17 to 1,800 mm-hmm. yards per season. Over three seasons. Yes. I, th- there isn't a running back that's ever come close to that. Barry Sanders? No. 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 What well, no. were his numbers? I, I honestly don't know. Terrell Davis has the greatest three-year stretch ever. Barry Sanders, remember, didn't play for as good of teams, if we're being completely honest. Well, but, and Wayne Fonts wouldn't give him the ball enough either. No, but I'll, I'll look it up right now. Barry Sanders, this is great radio. Barry Sanders stats. Okay. I'd be, I'd be wondering, honestly, if he ever went over 1,600 in a season. Might have. Eric Dickerson. Ooh, this is pretty good. Okay, so this is, here's a four-year stretch, which is pretty spectacular. From 94 to 97, this is outrageous. I didn't realize this. 1883, 1500, 1553, 2053. That's pretty unbelievable. Yes, Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So then now let's look at Terrell Davis. TR, hold on. Can we get that music again? Thank you. This is great radio. For Terrell Davis, 1538, 1750, 2008. 
So that's about 1750. Striking similar. Very, very similar. Now, how about touchdowns? 13, 15, 21. That's Terrell Davis. For Barry Sanders, 11, 11, and 11. The winner is Terrell Davis. Just because touchdowns. You 21 touchdowns you think, in season. You think touchdowns are that important that if you're giving the ball on the two-yard line and you score, that should be a Okay, you know what? Greatness? Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down to this. How about yards per carry? Is that fair? It, so it, if we're tr- It's fair to include it as a factor. Well, yards per carry matter. 4.8, 5.1, 6.1. And for Terrell Davis, not as good. 4.5, 4.7, 5.1. I'd always rather take Barry Sanders over Terrell Davis. That three-year stretch. And then you throw in the playoffs. If you throw in all those playoff years, then he's the winner because Barry Sanders never really got to the playoffs. Playoffs? And that's one reason why he retired early. Playoffs? What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Well, we can expect a lot of movement in the draft. There have already been some trades in the NBA draft, but uh, we haven't really seen any big names on the move yet. There's one that a team is floating out there that could uh, come along with the 13th or 15th pick. We'll see if uh, maybe Calvin Booth should be making a call for that. And we'll also talk about something Josina Anderson reported today uh, about the Browns. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman and Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Locky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Brian Windhorst reported that the Charlotte Hornets are willing to attach their 13th or 15th pick in tonight's draft to offload Gordon Hayward's $30 million salary uh, by way of trade. So... Any reason for Calvin Booth to make a call about Hayward and potentially moving up for that 13th or 15th pick? Wait, but they're they're going to acquire Hayward as well. Correct. And then they got to add him to the salary cap. Correct. Yeah. No reason? Well, listen, I like him. You, you know what that deal is like? It's like the Osweiler deal with the Texans and the Browns. Uh, <laughs> they were dying to unload the contract so badly, they attached, I believe, a second-round pick to him. I think you have to make the phone call and just see. Yeah. 
Well, you got to talk to your cap guy first and see if it can, yeah. if it's if it's worth it, right? Unless maybe some circumstances on the other end will be so unpredictable that you may something might be there that you hadn't thought of. Well, Gordon Hayward is a small forward, right? That is correct. And who plays small forward on the Nuggets? Will Barton. No. Who plays small forward on the Nuggets? <laughs> Will Barton. No, Michael Porter Jr. Oh, when healthy, yes, Michael Porter Jr. Michael, so you're not going to have you're not going to be paying two guys at that position that type of money. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Gordon Hayward than Michael Porter Jr. Than Michael Porter Jr. or than Will Barton? What's more important, availability or ability? Well, Gordon Hayward's had his fair share of injuries as well. A uh, while back, but, but what's who, what he's getting? You, he's getting up there. No, I understand that. No, I, I totally understand that. Gordon Hayward is 32 and 16 points, five rebounds, three assists a game. Right now, we're talking about potential again. You know what potential is code for? Haven't done it. That's what that means. You haven't done it. And you're banking on more potential with either that 13th or 15th pick that you would acquire as well. I know that I'm getting a guy in Hayward who's going to give me who's going to give me 16 points, five rebounds, and four assists a game. And as far as getting banged up, no, he's not the healthiest guy either. I'm not crazy. I'm not a big MPJ fan. I love I love him when he's healthy, but it's hard to love somebody when they're not healthy. If you love when they're healthy. I think there's a mental part to that MPJ uh, scenario as well. What do you mean by that? Do tell. Who's, whose head are you looking in? Yeah, what do, you, what do you mean by there's a mental part to it? Well, because I think that a large component of defense uh-huh. is effort and want to. No question. And what MPJ has shown us on the court on the defensive end does mm-hmm. not reflect that he has that want to right now. You mean as so in, hopefully as in other zero? Guys, as in zero desire to play defense? No, I wouldn't say zero, just not as high as Michael Malone would like. Well, he, Michael Porter Jr. is starting pretty low there, and he has to come back from his injury and then play some defense and then learn to move without the ball. We know he's a dead-eye shooter, but you can't just stand in one quarter like it's AAU basketball and be the best guy on the floor. And, it, and a mental ability is a big deal. Absolutely. Uh, Just in case you missed it, the New England Patriots announced today that they will wear their red jerseys with the Pat the Patriot logo on the helmets at some point this season. Which Denver team has the best throwback uniforms? Slam dunk there. The Denver Nuggets skyline uniforms. Uh, I was covering the team when they had a contest to design new uniforms. And the guy to win it got season tickets. And he designed the the skyline uniform and was irate because they didn't follow his design exactly. I'm the wrong guy to ask that question to because I don't like to comment on laundry. That one was more for Terry. Yeah, I really don't care what somebody wears. I just care I just care that you, they win. You want our uniform nut at all? Could care less. Just win. I don't care what you're wearing. And by the way, I don't like the orange either. Sorry to piss everybody off. You look like a big creamsicle. That's what you look like. How about Colorado State, State Bride uniforms? Have you seen those? I, I really don't. That doesn't register with me. Laundry doesn't register. With Colorado them. State wears orange when they're honoring their A and M days. That's great. That doesn't register with me. Laundry. I don't own jerseys. I'm not that guy. I thought. I would have thought, Danny. I would have thought that that Eric was a uniform nut. No. That he has like zero. He no. Has this is like, yeah. Like that's a something. Notebook, a it, notebook with prior prioritized status of the best uniforms and the worst uniforms. When are you performing at Comedy Works? Tuesday nights. Good because have the veal. 
Oh, so you got to come up with some new material. That's like Henny Youngman. Have the take field. my wife, please. Right, right, right. I said to my wife, uh, "Take me some." My wife said to me, "Take me some place I've never been before." And I said, "Try the kitchen." That was Argonaut wine and liquor. Just in case you missed it, right now, all seven hundred and fifty milliliter bubbles bottles and all boxes fifteen percent off. Argonaut delivers, and all deliveries are hundred bucks or free, when, or are free when they're for a hundred bucks or more. Hope that made sense. Find them off of Colfax. You can find them online at ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, Danny, great job today. Terry, welcome back. You've been Thank rubbing you. your eyes today. Go get some sleep. Will do.